It's not the main quest, just the side adventure. It's not with the whole gang, just one of them. Not the main quest, just a side adventure. Look, someone had to miss because they had some other stuff to do that day. But this is what you get. You get a one-on-one -on -one session with one of your favorite characters. At least in the top five. Maybe, well, I guess maybe the top six or seven by now, but... Back to the song. Not the main quest, just the side adventure. Sometimes you have to go off on your own. Roadwalkers, side adventure. Why is this still going on? I don't know. Hey everyone, I'm Pedro, the GM and creator of Worldwalkers, and I've been waiting a long time to share this adventure. If you aren't caught up yet, I'd recommend listening to this episode after you've checked out episode 68, Bards Being Bards. Go, go ahead, I'll wait. All caught up? Jeez, that was fast. So, Brummelstone has decided to travel with Calliope to the city of Corsetto in the hopes of replacing his orb and regaining his wizardly might. Let's jump in and see exactly where this story takes him. Last we left off, uh, you had decided to venture off away from the group with uh, the bard known as Calliope to the city of Corsetto, hoping to find some solution to your current dilemma ever since you sacrificed your orb in order to stop the portal and... Uh, keep the creatures at bay as it were Grow uh, <laughs> yeah you're not quite sure how you're going to be of any service to the world walkers because you don't have your magic anymore yes. and she seemed very convinced that she knew exactly what to do um, i was worried that she like just really quickly was just like oh yeah i got a, I got a magic guy for that <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah and um those concerns might sit in your heart a little more as like she seems super chill and relaxed about going on. oh yeah like you said like i i got someone don't worry i got, I got you boo boo um, this is like just a friday night to her oh you lost your car keys don't worry come on let's go yeah. psh, psh. ain't shit <laughs> as you travel she seems like very happy-go-lucky and relaxed and like you know, we're just going to go do this. And she's leading you uh, towards uh, a large castle with a uh, wall around it. But, like, again, she doesn't seem very concerned or anything like that. Anything you want to bring up to her before you get to the castle? Yeah. Um, so, over the course, I would have been, like, a Calliope. Um, one, you seem very calm about this. Yeah. Which strikes me that you have great confidence in this person you're taking me to. May I inquire further about who they are? Who did I say I was going to take you to? I don't remember. <laughs> I don't... I don't know if I remember either. But <laughs> I do know there's a lot of answers to a lot of questions in Corsetto. And I think... I think if we don't know who we're looking for, they're going to find us. It's going to be fine. Don't worry about that. You got to believe in the power of story. And she kind of pats a book on her side. That does seem the way this world works. Uh, I do have another what do you, question. What do you mean? Uh, 
well, as a as a wizard myself, or a former wizard, you know, I have noticed that the land seems to have about itself a magic to it. She just looks really confused. She's like, "What's what are you talking about?" And it might occur to you that, like Tompkins being an off-worlder, it's very easy for him to talk about the way that Rolana seems to work. But you're not now. You're kind of wondering if the rest of the world sees themselves as a storybook character because she's like, "What do you? The way ooh, the world works. What does that ooh, mean?" Ooh, I've insulted the whole society. <laughs> <laughs> Have I just? I've just. I've just told them all their flat characters. Um, <laughs> you're all NPCs. It's really our adventure, uh, guys. Um, in this like pause where like Brubblestone is realizing he's kind of making this social flaw, he he would he would quickly change subjects to be like, uh, uh, well, I mean, um, where was Zell? That's his name, right? The guardian. Right. Well, he was supposed to be there. Um, I mean, we were kind of hoping he would show up. It's his, like, his celebration, but he is the guardian. He may have more important things going on. Like, I'm not sure. I mean, it is a really important party. It did, it did seem like it was a grave threat to your world, this Crow Alice. Mm hmm. Yeah. So either he's facing a far greater threat. Than Merlanus has ever known, and it'll take everything in him, and possibly more, in order to combat it? Or he slept in. I don't know which one. I don't so, really know him. Like, I know of him, like, a lot. But I don't know him like, like, two friends would know each other if they talked all the time. I did see you whispering under your breath during the play that several things did not happen the way the play portrayed them. Yeah. Were you there? Yeah, yeah, I was there. Um, a long story has to do with, like, I don't really understand, but, like, it's, like, time travel, and, like, there was, like, this extra-dimensional explosion, and me and my friends all got scattered, and I ended up back here, because, like, I... It was crazy. Wish I could remember who I was supposed to take you to. And she kind of keeps walking forward. <laughs> so, uh, as you uh, come closer, uh, the kingdom of Corsetto is everything you dreamed a human kingdom would look like in the fairy tales of your youth. <laughs> the walls of the kingdom are high, with colorful banners flying proudly. The guards ask you no questions, happy to be of service by opening up the gates wide and letting you on in. Uh, inside, each person walks as if they have their own personal story or journey to explore. They all know each other, and if you listen, you can hear their daily conversations as if there's no attempt to speak in a quiet tone. The city is alive with the song of adventure just on the cusp. And Calliope almost just, she almost loses you. She gets in there, she's like, <gasps> and she breathes it in, and like you're worried she might break into song, but she doesn't. <laughs> And she kind of like she's looking at people, and she and she hears a conversation, and almost drifts over to them, and then pulls herself back and is like, "No, I'm here for Brummy. That's your name, right? Uh, Brummelstone. Brummy, right? Oh, Brummy, Brummy. So we're here for you. <laughs> and what is it that you need exactly? So 
Uh, before I answer, I just want to paint in my mind, the image is like, it's very bright and colorful. And then it like pans over to Brummelstone and it's like shades of gray. <laughs> <laughs> like a County it's Crow like, song. Yeah, I bought like myself a gray guitar. It's like everywhere else is the colorful Pleasantville. And then it's gray. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So he would, he would reply to her and say, you seem to allude to a way to get my magic back or if not my magic then some form of magic so that i could be assistant to the world walkers again yeah yeah so um let me think what do you let me ask you this okay how do you feel about magic before you answer let me add a word right in front of it bardic magic while I do appreciate the art of lore, mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. I'm not quite the colorful enough character to pull it off. I don't know about that. I'm taking apprentices right now. I unfortunately do not have the time to do this. Uh, I would prefer maybe a speedier route. Um, then let... Say no more. Let me take you to an individual that I believe is more than suited to the task. (laughs) And she looks very excited, and she starts navigating you through the crowds. And here's the thing. As you walk through the crowd, you hear things... Like, you hear, like, two people talking, and, like, one of them is like, well, I don't know where all the eggs went. It's like, well, then we can't really go to market without all the eggs. Like, I just wish... (laughs) We would know what happened to our chickens, and then, like, you know, like, do you want to hang out there, or do you keep walking? Uh, I I stay on task, but All right, I, you keep on walking. Uh, and <laughs> through the most part, I almost known has probably been like in a haste and hurry, and that kind of like uh, um, this feels like a very uh, what's it in the games where you have to like escort mission. Like <laughs> he's like he keeps wanting to run forward past Calliope, but he yeah. doesn't know where Calliope <laughs> is going. Yeah, she's like, not going that fast. Um, and so, yeah, you keep hearing tidbits and conversations and interesting uh, tangents that are uh, waiting to be explored. But you, you steadfast. Uh, yes, and uh, he would mutter to himself, "I'm really glad Roberto is not here." As you navigate through the crowds, uh, eventually you find yourself in front of a stage, and there is a gentleman standing on the stage. This gentleman has long silver hair with a little bit of a blue tint to it, right? And then he has a long leather coat. But it might it's leather coat in style, but maybe the material is not quite leather. It's almost like a silvery kind of flashy color to the coat, right? Large buckles that hang open uh, defiantly. And there's a little bit of a, a hint of blue to this as well. And there's a sheen to it. It almost looks like it almost sparkles, right? And uh, he's on the stage kind of walking back and forth. And he says, uh, you, this one right here. And you don't know who he's talking to, but he walks to somebody. And he puts his hand out and brings this woman up to the stage, right? And he says, I want you to think of a number, any number. And she thinks about it for a second. She's like, any number? Like, any number? He's like, whatever your mind can imagine. Between nothing and infinity. And she's like, oh, all right. And she thinks she's like, ah, do I tell you? And he's like, no. Um, 
think of the number really hard, and then he pulls out a uh, he pulls a deck of cards out from his hand, like from his sleeve, and he just kind of he starts uh, shuffling it in really extravagant ways. Like he shuffles it at first the normal way, and then he puts it on top of his palms, and then he just lets them. Like kind of fall into each other elegantly and then he starts doing all these kind of cool shuffles and he's like I'm going to deal you the number of cards that you thought of and she kind of looks at him crazy like that's impossible and he's like okay and he takes a step back and he deals out like five cards and she's like he has to keep going he's like I know he's never stops like he's not stopping to see if that's it he keeps dealing out cards, and it looks like his deck's about to run out, and it never does. And he's like, this is going to take a little longer than I thought. Hmm. And then he just, like, just starts rapidly firing off cards, like a crazy amount of cards, right? He finally stops, and the cards fall to the ground. And then he takes a few steps back. He says, please, excuse me, please give me, give me the room. And she steps back too. And then he brings his hands up and the cards take to the air, right? And they form, like by, by the cards lining up the right way, they form in the air 132. And it, you would not be surprised if that's also the number of cards that were needed to make one, three, and two in the air. And he says, was that your number? And she's like, oh, my God. She takes a step back, right? And she's absolutely flabbergasted. And he's like, uh, I'm going to go let someone buy me a drink. I'll be back in a few moments. And he snaps his fingers, and the cards explode <laughs> into like kind of like diamond dust. Uh. And then he puts his hand in his pocket. Who knows why, right? And uh, <laughs> he steps down the stage, and Calliope waves at him. She's like, Silver, Silver, come here, come here. I need you. I need you. And he's like, <laughs> I know. And he walks on over to her, and he goes in for the kiss, and she kind of dips to the side, and she's like, I bring someone who desperately needs to speak to you. And um, he looks at you, and he's like, A Dwarf, from where do you, uh, where do you hail? Rumblestone, like, has watched this whole magic display, and the whole time he's like, this this dickweed, come on. <laughs> like, just, like, unamused, and like, slowly raging up. And he's like, because he feels his like eyebrows kind of raise up, and he's like, he can, he's all, he can tell that you're flabbergasted. Yeah, he, Brummelstone is, like, frustrated, but trying his best to hide, and, like, now immediately regretting this decision. Um, and he's just going... And he looks over at Calliope, and he says, Is this the wizard you want to bring me to? And she's like, It is now. And she kind of gives him a look, and he's like, mm, Yes. Does your magic do more than card tricks? And he looks around, and he gets a little more serious, and he's like, What do you mean? I haven't the time to explain, but I think it's clear I'm not from around here. I think it's clear that I need stronger magic. I'm not looking to woo a crowd. I see. I'm looking to fight demons. You don't have bills to pay, I see. Um, <clears throat> clears his throat, <laughs> and uh, he says, well... That's true. I, I pay my bills in other ways. <laughs> emotional, emotional bills, right? They gotta count for something. Yeah. Um, takes a second and he um he flips through his cards and he pulls a couple out and then he flicks one in the air and as it goes in the air 
it kind of like crumples up and then kind of like does this pitiful little like right a flame but once it gets to uh the high uh it once it gets about like 40 yards up into the sky it explodes in what you immediately recognize as fireball um do i recognize the magic he's doing i mean you recognize it as arcane magic but he seems to be using a completely different set of components and semantic um aspects to his spell yeah, I couldn't be, like, just totally illusionist or whatever, like, school of camp or whatever. No, I mean, that was straight-up evocation. Like, you recognize Fireball. He said, uh, in that case, Rumble Sound Ghost, I've lived a long life, and I've learned to admit I am wrong, Mr. Silver. Perhaps your magic is more than fancy card tricks. Most of my spells are far too powerful to cast in crowds, I think you can understand. I can. Um. Do you wish for me to deal you in and then he like shuffles the cards again and he's very <laughs> excited um, and I, I want to be up front just to meta for a second this is a viable option I have a character class <laughs> that actually deals in cards you would be able to randomly deal out your spells <laughs> this is a viable option I have an entire set of rules for this Brummelstone would obviously it's just he's not he's not sold on the pitch. <laughs> and he's very he's he's loving his pun. I don't want to play games. Returning the pun. Um he goes, what I need is a strong, less showy magic. Perhaps one that's more less for card tricks and more for battle. Can you help me with that? And he would and Brummelstone would pull out, like, a handful of his gold and say, like, I can appreciate you have bills to pay, and I can appreciate that your time is worth money, and I can help you, or I can pay you, but he I looks, need he looks to move with like, He looks ins- unnecessarily insulted, and he takes a few steps <gasps> back, and then he's like, let me teach you another game. It's called 52-card pickup. And he throws the cards into the air, and as they float around him, he's gone. And she's like, and Calliope looks like, aww. Anybody else? Well, I mean, how could you not like that? You're traveling with three lovely ladies. You're telling me you would want to come back with some of that magic? Calliope, please. Time is of the essence. I know, I got you to him like right away. (laughs) (laughs) Rumblesome is like, uh... Do you have anything less... Do you know any magicians less showier? Or wizards less I mean, showier and more... Perhaps more serious? Maybe there's some that are not... Uh, honestly, you know what it sounds like? It sounds like I should just go take you somewhere and get you a wand. That's... I've thrown gold at you twice. And she's like, follow me. And she walks you through the crowd. You following her? Yeah. Um... More uh, tempting little tidbits of quests all around you. (laughs) Well, there's like, yeah, there's like someone's talking about like uh, goblins who have ransacked like uh, what they call an apple farm. (laughs) Um, And you kind of navigate through that. And then um, she finally, she takes you up to this like cobbled together like wagon. Uh, (laughs) 
<laughs> with like a service window that was torn into it. And um, she's like, here, I've got some gold. Let's buy you like a wand or something like that. And you can get back to your friends, okay? And she uh, walks up to the tent, like walks up to the, the wagon. And there's like a little like trashy looking like uh, tent, like awning over the window, right? And um, she walks over to the side and she kicks the wheels a couple of times. And she's like, hey, you here? You here? I got a customer for you. And uh, the gentleman that pokes his head out, um, you can't really see his face. It's just like a goatee that's kind of coming out uh, underneath like a hood. But you recognize this right away. It's the nomad. <laughs> and he looks out and he's like, what? Oh, great. Bit. And he, sees, he notices you. I was going to say, like, at this point when, like, it was the ranshackled, like, at this point, Brumblestone's spirit is, like, broken. And he's just, like, <laughs> <laughs> he's just, like, these are, you know, like, in his mind, it's clown magic. It's this town. It's, like, <laughs> it's the whole, like, Disney Forest thing again. Like, Brumblestone is, like, <laughs> this is, like, obviously something is wrong here. And he's, like, kind of upset that Calliope doesn't, like notice it as well <laughs> and, but as soon as they pull up to like the ramshackled thing he's just like thank you true magic is <laughs> like dirty and rusty uh, and so he would make eye contact with the nomad and he goes the nomad you know like he, he would smile and he'd be like calliope you've done well and she's like yeah he's a vagabond he he, he just showed up in town a couple like kind of recently he'd I don't know. He's, he sells magic stuff. I'm sure you could buy a wand or something and be back on your way. And he's just looking at you and he's like, what are you doing here? Uh, chasing the shards. How's that going? It's going well for you? Um, no, not quite. Are you, uh, are you here to destabilize another economy? I'm unaware of what economy we have destabilized. Well, you guys caused a bit of trouble in Cosmic, and that's a that that's not lucrative at all for me anymore. So, um, well, yeah, I lost my shop, and I've been out here for a little bit now. And now you've shown up, and I guess I should probably get going, sir. We meant no disrespect to your business. I'm I, I'm not saying you did. I'm just saying that like I've got mouth to feed, and. I understand, but... Uh, that was a great place. Like, the travel hub of an entire planet? It was a destabilized zone before we got there. It was a profitable zone. What can I do you for? It was a market that was going to crash. Not here to talk economics with you. <laughs> it just looks very angry now. <laughs> See, we've got off on the wrong foot, and I apologize for that. Brummelstone um, would just lay it out. Like, he's dealt with the Nomad before. You'd say, this is what I've done. I hopefully saved the economy here because I stopped the portal of evil, but at the same time lost my magic and would explain that he's looking for a magic as strong or not stronger so that he can be on his way. Are you looking for another one of those orbs? Uh, if you have one, but I doubt it, I'm willing to take whatever you can provide. No, I, uh, I don't have one of those orbs. Those orbs are, they're not really. In my market, I can't sell them anywhere except for Obrimos, and everybody that has one already has one. Like, everyone that needs one has one. I understand. They do, wizards do tend to pass them down. <laughs> and uh, if I remember correctly, too, aren't they kind of, like, tied to you emotionally? Like, it's not really useful for you to use somebody else's anyway? Yes. 
It's true. Yeah. So, be like wearing someone else's shoes. Let me think. So what are you looking... I mean, are you looking for just some old magic? Are you looking... I mean, are you looking for a placement? For, are you looking for magic of that? Like, are you looking for another catalyst, as we call them? Or are you looking for just a magical item to get you back on your way? I'm looking for a catalyst. It's a big request, I understand. So, an orb is out of the question. I mean, I can sell you a way back to Obrimos. And you could start going there and hoping for the best, but... I need things... something that moves quicker. Anything I can do. Something that moves quicker. And then he kind of gets an idea in his head. And he can't help but smile. And he's like, you know what? I got something. <gasps> Hope. Hope stands for Brummelstone. <sighs> I have a catalyst. You can use it to open your magic up pretty well. I don't know if it's a one-for-one one with what you could do before. Tell me more. Well, here's the problem. I know of a catalyst for you. I do not have it. I've had trouble securing this particular catalyst. I'll tell you what. You help me secure a few of these, and uh, I'll give you one. If it's as powerful as you say, it seems the quickest route. I will be any assistance that I can be. Well, what are you up to right now? I'm uh, helping you find uh, several of these catalysts. <laughs> uh, because the problem is, the ones on Rolanus are accounted for. The Guardian holds those. And I don't think he's willing to deal. So we're going to have to go off-world. You okay with that? Yeah. I guess I have to be. It sounds like there are a few options. Give me a couple minutes to pack up, and then I'll take you and your friend. And Calliope's like, mm, um, off-world? No, I'm not doing that again. No, no, no thanks. I'm here. Thank you very much. I thought you believed in the power of story. I do. Uh, I believe in um, the next chapter I would like to write here. <laughs> the chapter after that, here. Chapter after that. You know what? I think I'm going to wrap the book up here. I've had my fun going off world. I'm not, I don't, who knows when I'd ever come back? Who knows if you'll ever come back? I understand. Thank you for leading me here. And he would extend a hand. No, I was not the most pleasant of company. And she hugs you and she's Aww. like, No, you weren't. <laughs> no, you weren't. Well, can I give you gold for your troubles? Yes, you can. I'll give her uh, 20 gold. Mm-hmm. She takes it, and she's like, nice. All right, well, have fun. Good luck. Make sure he brings you back or something. I don't know how any of this works. I gotta go. And uh, she takes off. Bart. <laughs> <laughs> Freaking dickweed. Every one of them. <laughs> <laughs> so the uh, nomad comes out from the back of the wagon, and uh, he pulls the poles from the awning, and it kind of flaps over the window. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, he says, that ought to hold him off. Just kind of nods. <laughs> and, I like uh, the idea that he wouldn't even lock it. <laughs> <laughs> and he says, uh, so you ready? So ready as I'm going to be. Where are we going? 
Ah, you'll see. And he reaches into his uh, sleeve and he pulls out a small cube. This cube has um, obviously six sides to it. It's kind of this weird metallic material with uh, little um, notches in it every so often. But on each side, there is a smooth round stone. And in that stone, there are runes etched into it. And he flips it around. He's not letting you see it. He flips around and he's like, all right, here we go. And he pushes in one of the buttons and this huge portal, like 10 feet wide, just rips open. And people in the area are like excited, like, oh, what's going to happen next? And they start kind of coming around <laughs> and the chattering back and forth. And uh, he says, after you. Premlestone uh, pulls his warhammer out and walks through. All right. And uh, he walks through as well. And then there's like this. And then it closes right behind you. And you find yourself suddenly surrounded by buildings of intricate and inviting designs. Engraved wood trimming featuring beautiful artwork lovingly wraps around structures comprised of warm earth tones. You remember on your first journey that none of these quote-unquote homes are anything more than businesses. The city bustles with business as far as the eye can see. Take a second to remember. Do you remember where you are? We're in the Mall of Cog. <laughs> you uh, you <laughs> realize you, you find yourself in the merchant city of Hollum. Hollum, um, which rhymes with Rollo. <laughs> Patrolling is important. <laughs> uh, patrolling the area are men and women who wear loose, soft pants that widen as they reach the calves, only to tighten at the ankles. Golden silk rope hold their pants up, hidden only by garnet vests. Draped over their shoulders are cloaks that match their vests, with long hoods they wear over their expressionless faces. Intricate tattoos race up their arms, quickly pulsing with noticeable arcane energy. Besides their garb and their tattoos, though, they're largely forgettable and unidentifiable. Excuse me. The nomad uh, comes he's right behind you, and he just... <sighs> taps you on the back. Good to be back. I've seen worse places. <laughs> he just kind of laughs. He's like, this is the best. <sighs> I wish I had this gig. And um, he looks around and he's like, all right. Um, so you're useless, right? Uh, yes, as, as Mage goes. Yes. So what we need to do is we need to outfit you in some equipment to make sure that you can actually handle yourself or what's to come. So... Uh, we trust each other, right? I, I have no other choice. Yes, of mm. course we trust each other. I was really hoping you'd sell that better. Um, oh, so, I, I, well, hold on. I mean, we have a history. I returned the weapons to your shop, I believe. This is true. So, I'm going to open up my shop to you. I need you to pick out three items that you want to take with you. And that's the best I can do for you. I'm sorry you don't have any of your uh, spells or any of your magics, but hopefully this helps you out. Now, at this point, um, you need to pick three items from any magical item in existence, Wesley. Oh, man. <laughs> oh. Um, there's going to be a couple limitations. Okay. Very excited. I'm very nervous. I feel like this is oh, this is the ultimate, like... You can pick three items. Uh, toothpick? Uh, <laughs> um, I will ask the question. I have Claiborne's robe. 
That yes. Do you me, have the stats for it? Yes. It lets me dispel one. It's like, uh, or I wrote what it does. So I know the cloak of dragon scales once yeah. a day. If I fail a saving throw, I can choose to succeed. Which yep. I have you ever used it in the game though? I have not. Yeah. Cause it, it should have that plus redirect. You can actually reflect spells back at evil too, but I don't think you've ever done that. I don't think anyone has cast a spell at me. Okay. <laughs> now that, that cloak requires attunement. So know that if you're picking three items, only two of them can require attunement. Okay. Take your time, pick what you want, because uh, I think it's it should be uh, pretty clear that I cannot necessarily balance encounters for a character that I have no idea what they're about to do. Yes. So choose carefully. All right, I think I'm going to run with the Spell Guard Shield. So the Spell Guard Shield, while holding this shield, I have advantage on saving throws against spells and other magical effects. And spell attacks have disadvantage against me. And it gives me, increases my armor class by two. I've got the Horn of Blasting, which is uh, you can use an action to speak the horn's commands words and then blow the horn, which emits a thunderous blast in a 30-foot cone that is audible 600 feet away. Each creature in the cone must make a... DC 15 constitution saving throw. On a failed save, the creature takes 5d6 thunder damage and is deafened for one minute. Each time I blow the horn, it has a 20% chance of causing the horn to explode, which will then deal 10d6 fire damage to the blower and destroys the horn. But I, on the other hand, I will have the staff of fire... <laughs> Which is you have resistance to fire damage while you're holding this staff. And the staff has 10 charges. And while holding it, you can use an action to expend one or more of the charges of the cast with the following spells from it. Um, Burning Hands, which is one charge. Fireball, three charges. Or Wall of Fire, four charges. If you expend all the charges, you gotta roll and see if it crumbles. Yes, I roll a d20 and it says it, it, it's a one, the staff breaks. Otherwise, it regains d6, 1d6 plus four charges daily at dawn. So you fish through the um, the bag of holding that he places down, and eventually you pull out these three items, and uh, he looks, and he's like, all right, you sure? I'm not sure of anything now. Mm. Used to I be just want to, to warn you for... that I cannot fight. It's why I brought you. Good. So okay. he's going to pick up the bag? Yes. He... And then he ties it up and puts it on his side, and he kind of pushes it in, and it kind of shrinks up to a pouch somehow. And then he kind of adjusts his clothing, and it kind of just folds into his clothing somehow, and it's gone. Nice. And it's like, Beautiful. all right, so you need time to get acquainted with your items. I need time to make some contacts. So let me go get you into an inn. That seems fair. And then I'm going to go see if I can uh, rustle up my contact, and then I'll meet you back. All right. All right. So he finds a local inn. Um, it's like 20 gold a night. It's extravagant. He pays for it. it sounds like um, the traveler I know, or the nomad I know. <laughs> um, he takes you up there, and it's just huge with a balcony, overlooks the city. It's very well placed. Like, you... You could almost do your shopping from this window. Figure out where you want to go around the city. Nice. <laughs> you don't think that's a coincidence. Um, and uh, 
he wanders off and you have the hour to attune. So you attuning to your three new items? Yes, I should only need to I only need to attune to two of them. Okay, okay. And then I will leave the How many attuned items can I have on at once? I guess three. The, three. Okay. So I have the two so I'll lose the ring of dexterity. Alright. Yeah, so you spend the appropriate amount of time attuning to the items, and then maybe about 15 minutes after that, the door to your room opens, and the nomad walks in, and he's like, we need to go downstairs and wait. I understand. Can you tell me what's happening? Uh, I was hoping to handle this business in the way I wanted to, and it's not going to happen, so let's just head downstairs. Whatever needs to be done. Yep. And he walks downstairs. He's obviously disgruntled or upset about something. So you're down there. You each grab a drink, probably. Yeah, Brummelstone would be looking around and trying to read lips, and just picking up anyone in case, like, anyone's like, that guy's the guy we're going to murder in a minute. You know, like. <laughs> Nomad, he just looks kind of angry. He's kind of tapping his fingers, just, and he's waiting, he's waiting. And then finally, the, the door to the establishment opens up. A sly grin and a look in his eyes that says he's about to tell you exactly what you want to hear comes into the room. It's a familiar man who approaches you. A new collection of jewels laced with silver hangs beautifully from his neck. There is a uh, pearl necklace that especially stands out. He's draped in silks and gaudy wealth and he's impossible not to notice. Even if you were blinded by the rest of his outfit, you can't help but take it all in. He is a man in his 50s, desperately trying to live in his 30s. And he walks into the room and he's like, Ah, Mr. Hammerstone. And he kind of elegantly walks over to you. And um, and he says, And you, Mr. The Nomad. Kind of just like this <laughs> cocky little smirk. And he takes both your hands at the same time and places his hands over them. How do? Uh, Master Iso, a pleasure to see you again. I'm a pleasure to see you as well. And he kind of just smiles and takes a step back. And um, he says, you requested my presence, but I'm not quite sure why. I'm sorry I wasn't available at the time. And the nomad looks down and he's like, you just wanted to meet Brumblestone again. He's like, I would never pass up an opportunity to meet such an interesting man. Oh, thank you. I'm flattered. I hoped so. And the nomad says, well... I'll get to the point. Um, and he, he's just real nervous saying this, but he says, uh, I'm looking for an associate of yours. And he says, oh, really? And who, who perchance would you be looking for? And he says, I am uh, looking for Claiborne. And... I'm hoping that you know where she is. And he won't look at you when he says that. Claiborne, yes. Um, unfortunately, uh, that's no longer a possibility. And the nomad's like, why? Why? Like, and he doesn't usually lose his temper like this. He's like, why? Why is that not a possibility? Why is it that you're not able to simply put me in contact with her? And he says, uh, because <laughs> no one can contact her anymore. She has, a." Uh, left this business behind something about um well i don't really know the details but um she is no longer a treasure hunter she uh doesn't take jobs anymore uh she's but, lost and then he she's looks okay. 
And then he looks over and he sees that you're wearing the cloak that she gave you. And he's like, I'd wondered where her cloak might have went to. Oh, at this point, it's like, I'm sure like Chromostone <laughs> would not hide it well. Like his face would yeah. be as red as his beard. <laughs> like this like slide of, you know, and he's trying to be like casual about it because he knows he's a third party to this conversation. He's like, but she's all right. Like, oh, I don't know. Again, we haven't heard from her. She uh, left this life behind uh, a little while ago. Uh, what she's doing, what she's up to, I haven't the foggiest. So close he's... so far. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, well, um, uh, the nomad's like, that's that's great. Uh, if you can't be of any service to me, I'm um, gonna have to get. Go- I have to get going. And Iso's like, surely you don't want to burn any bridges. But he's like, I honestly don't care about bridges right now. Can you just go? And he's starting to push him out. And Iso's like, oh, well, oh, Mr. Brummelstone, how do you feel about this? Is he being pushed away? Um, and, yeah. he's, and he's clearly throwing an eyebrow at you, like. Yeah, so I lit the nomad and I rest my hand on his shoulder and I say, from my past dealings with Mr. Master Iso here, he's proven himself quite a person in the know. And I don't know exactly what we need, but if we can't get Claiborne, then I'm surely she can, he can get us someone just as good. And the nomad says... Nope, and he just shoves him out the door, and Isu was just kind of fully. Well, see if you ever do business on with anyone from them. And, and he, and like the nomad shuts the door. He does not care about his exit. He doesn't care about any of that stuff. And he's like, "Damn it! Damn it! Damn it! Damn it!" All right, what's going on? Uh, I'm gonna level with you. Um, you don't have any spells. You've got nothing. And the only reason I brought you here is because I thought that I could bring Claiborne out and that she could get me what I needed. And it's not that I'm not trying to help you out, but uh, I don't see how you can be of any use without any of your spells. You're you're a wizard. Uh, Without your spells, you're basically just a big ball that I can attach things on. At that point, he would take the nomad's like cloak and kind of slam him up. And he's much more than a wizard. I'm a dwarf, and I'm a fighter, and if this needs to happen, this needs to happen. I don't know what bridge you burned, and I don't know what path we need to take, but we will get there. I've survived before magic, I'll survive after it. And I I appreciate your zest, but what we need to do right now is find Claiborne. Well, I mean, that's fine by me. (laughs) (laughs) He kind of shrugs you off, and... uh... He uh he walks over to the table that you guys are at, and he like throws his fist into his sleeve, and he's kind of fishing around, and he he pulls that pouch back out, and he opens it up and extends it a little bit more. Doesn't see what he wants, extends it a little bit more, reaches in there, puts like all the way down to his shoulder into the small little pouch, and finally rips out a crystal ball and slams it on the table, and he's like, let's just find out where she is, and he puts the pouch back. And he starts to focus on it, and he's kind of moving his hands left and right over it. Is this still, like, out in the middle of the bar? Right in the middle. Every, like, yeah, people are kind of looking, and you see a couple people who are kind of talking to each other, like, 
And since you can read lips, um, because you're observant, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, he's like, think we can take this guy? You think this guy's got more of that stuff up his sleeve? And before they really get a chance to explore their options, he's like, got her. Shit. Promosone would, like, throw the meanest look at the people talking and then would be like, what? Where is she? She's in trouble. We have to get to her now. Let's go. And he throws the orb into his sleeve and he pulls the uh, cubic gate out again. And then uh, gives it a punch on just a random symbol. And his portal rips open. And those two guys were like, you know, why don't we go, whoa! And they take a step back. And he's like, go now, jump in. Yeah, he pulls out his, where I, or I guess I just my fire staff and I jump in. <laughs> yep, and um, you jump in and he comes after you. And you find yourselves in the middle of an arena, this huge gladiatorial arena, hundreds of people in the stadium circling around you, huge uh, dirt field, um, and there are, uh, there's like a huge, huge person with a battle axe, and it's like really spiked armor, and he's screaming into the air, and on the other side of you, there's a, a group of what must be adventurers, just like hobbled together for some sort of cause right and they're kind of scared and like the leaders like we have to go we have to go now we can win this still and then um the nomad slaps uh another side of the cube and opens up a portal and he goes go now go go and he jumps in without waiting for you uh is the guy within 600 feet or yeah can i use the cone or the Sure, if you want to. It's blast out of it and like jump. <laughs> so there's like this. Yeah. And you can feel the stadium start to shake a little bit as you unleash this crazy wave of uh, barbaric sound. <laughs> yeah, you watch as he kind of gets blown back and you hop into the portal. Yeah, uh, you know, like as it's like, may the brightest timeline find you. <laughs> <laughs> You hop through the portal, and then you find yourself suddenly knee-deep in swamp water. All around you hang the long branches of willow trees. Some of the trees seem to move slightly towards you, though it could have been your imagination. You can't imagine looking at the swamps and seeing how how thick and almost... um how, how The trees kind of twist. like You can't really see a clear path. Everything seems to be completely... Uh, mangled and dreary and you're not sure if you would ever find your way out of here without the mm. nomad's unique services you she's come into the water and the nomad's arms are folded and he's like did i hear something just call it helping out the universe where's claiborne <sighs> well i i can't take us directly there but she she's here somewhere in the swamp how are we to find her that is a great question. He like reaches into his uh, robe, and he pulls out like a long amount of rope. He's pulling rope and rope and rope and rope, and then you see him kind of whisper to it and kind of like turn his back to you, and then suddenly it springs up and mm. it goes straight up like a pole, and he starts climbing the rope. And he's like, "You're gonna have to find her fast. She should be really close here. I got as close as we can." The cubic gate doesn't let you travel through a plane so i had to burn all of its power getting us off world and then back here so i could choose where we wanted to land way through whereas, his like explanation he just goes claiborne 
<laughs> like I'll be up here. I'm not going anywhere. And he, he climbs up to the top of the rope until he disappears. Uh, and then the rope snakes up. And he, right before he pulls the rest of the rope up, he's like, mark this tree or something. Yeah. Yeah. And he would take his like, uh, he would take whatever and just would mark it. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I really don't know. I think maybe the horn even probably just has like enough of a side to like scratch into the tree or something. So he scratches into the tree and just is like, all right, I guess this is the way we're doing it. Like, Claymore. It's Bravostone! Yeah, so you're shouting and you're, are you, like, running through the water? Uh, yes. I guess, like, just, like, following my heart, I guess. Yeah, yeah. So, um, give me a survival check. Oh, no. Uh, I got a two. Okay. But, now, uh, let me, but I'm, I'm feel inspired? Can I reroll, or is that if you want to, but I, I'm going to give you a perception check too afterwards. So do you okay. want to burn it on that or the perception let's or nothing? The, let's do the perception. Okay. 15. You're finding it incredibly difficult to traverse the waters. That said, you do hear like an incredible amount of water just slushing around. And then you suddenly start hearing like impacts and it's kind of far off, but you it's know coming. which way you want to go. Probably. Um, you kind of, you're just having to bring your knees up as high as you can, slushing through the water, um, and it doesn't take too long before you come into the area, and what you see is uh, there is a huge mass of water and broken reeds and all kinds of weird, disgusting plant life, and it's all swirling together in this kind of ball as this water... uh, Pulls together and then reaches up like this, almost like this blob coming out of the water, almost 10 feet tall, right? And in the middle of that is this kind of weird glowing greenish blue energy that's swirling around. It looks like it's it's what's keeping everything moving, right? And 15 feet away from that, there's a whole bunch of vines that have ripped out of the water and they are raised up about 10 feet up. And they are holding Claiborne. They have her by the wrists and they have her by the legs. And that water, that creature, is pulling back. And then a log covered in vines and reeds is launching out of that middle part of the uh, water creature and slamming into Claiborne over and over. <laughs> just slamming into it over and over again. And she's not even awake she's just like she's she's suspended by these vines and she's getting slammed over and over and over again thanks for listening to strange magic episode one I hope you're ready for the next one. Once all the episodes are up, Wes will be joining Brian and I for an episode of World Talkers, where we're going to talk about the ramifications of this storyline, so keep on the lookout for that. The music from this episode comes from Kevin McLeod. You can find his work at Incomitech.com, and the sound effects come from Sirenscape, which you can find at Sirenscape.com.